Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. All right, now officially. Good morning, church! Well, good. Lord, help me to get composed. Okay, we're finishing this series that we've done that was entitled Identity, uh, Intimacy, and Destiny. And these are the core values of our church, actually. So if you're new to our church and you're just uh, here for this message, please go to our website. Please listen to the previous messages. It's very important. It will explain to you who we are, what we're about, what makes us tick, what makes us raise up in the morning and want to go to the church on Sunday. We believe that there's a lot of false identity that being imposed on people and that holds them back from stepping into intimate relationship with the Lord. An intimate relationship with the Lord is the only thing that will enable you and infuse you with God to step into your destiny like I was prophesying to Rob and to see the mighty exploits of God done through you by the Spirit of God. And last time <clears throat> I was speaking about, oh, where's my water? Neil, can you, Bishop, please, my water? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Is it my water or is that not my water? I think you gave me your with a chocolate taste of it. <laughs> That's another side of our church. Our culture is like relaxed and casual. We, we don't take ourselves too serious. Never take yourself too serious. All right? If your face looks like you're having constipation, then you're, you need deliverance. <clears throat> All right. What I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Last time I was talking about destiny part. And uh, we established last time that God is a God of purpose. He's not a random God who does random things. He has a heart's desire, and He devised a purpose, and His purposes will be accomplished no matter what. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. And He has a, th there's a good news about it. First of all, this plan is about you, so that's awesome. Second good news is you are also have a part in His plan. That's another good news. Here's the thing his love to you is unconditional your participation in his plans and purposes on this earth are conditional and yesterday i mean not yesterday last sunday when i spoke two weeks ago i spoke about the primary condition that must be met for you to be able to enter into the destiny that god has for you who remembers what it was abide i'm so glad oh i'm a good preacher you're good listeners we're good <laughs> So my, my main point was this, the only way to enter into God's destiny and start walking in it is to learn to abide in the love of the Father to His Son and of the Son to you. The key verse that we looked at, uh, into, I mean for the first few verses, He says, I'm the true vine and I'm, you are the branches, abide in me. Just like, as, uh, just like a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. And by the way, some translations said produce fruit, and I don't like that translation. I looked at the Greek word, and it's word pheron, pheron, or whatever. Don't, don't quote me on that. But it basically means to manifest something that is invisible yet. It's real, but people cannot see it. You make it manifest. You reveal it to the public. You publish it so to speak. So that's, that's the whole deal. So abiding in Him, and uh, again, 
There is one absolute condition to abide in His unconditional love. And it's something that we need to learn. He keeps saying abide, abide, abide. That means you, it, it's not your default mode of existence. If I put you into Christ, you slide right out. You need to be delivered and it takes an effort to really train yourself to give your attention to the goodness of God manifested in Christ Jesus. And you begin with visitation, but gradually it becomes a habitation. Visitation is good to sustain you through life, but habitation is needed for you to make those things manifest to others. You hear me? All right. Good. So I, I, I want you to, I want to stress one more time, it's a gift of a covenant, you know, but it's not your covenant. It's not the covenant that you make with the Lord. First of all, a covenant is a holy thing that nobody can initiate by God himself. So there are only two covenants with God. The old covenant that you have no part of, so don't claim those big passages of the Bible that have nothing to do with you. Uh, it's another thing I'm di di digressing. The covenant that we received is a gift. This is the covenant that Jesus made with the Father on the cross. He calls it the covenant in my blood. It's not a covenant in your efforts. It's not a covenant in the part that you do. It's not a covenant of anything you can contribute to God's goodness. It's the covenant that is established without you, but you're invited in it. That's the new covenant. So there are a bunch of Christians that live today mixing things that are not to be mixed. Old Testament and New Testament. The grace of God and the law of God. The unconditional love and conditional promises with rewards. In this church, we try our best to make those vital distinctions. We had this series before to make sure you're free. You're free to really grow and take roots in the goodness of God. All right? That's Paul's prayer in, first, uh, in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height, what is the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Abide. The only condition, stay in the unconditional love and goodness of God. All right? So that was a brief overview of my previous message. Now I come to my current message, this message, which will conclude our series. I want to show you today something that you need to see. That is also a part of this abiding process, in, in, in this fruit-bearing process. And it's easily neglected because abide, he says so many times, so he really gets your attention. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. But then in, in verse, in the same chapter, in verse 16, he says, he gives a brief resume, kind of a summary of what he just said. Let's read this verse together. John 15, 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. I'll read it again. You 
did not choose me. It's not your decision. I chose you and I appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should abide. So the title of my message is Love Says Go. Love says go. This going part, you see, the fruit bearing is about abiding in Jesus. When you learn to abide in this unconditional acceptance and love of God that you inherited in this covenant, you begin to experience the transformation of your life. You begin to experience God as a reality. But often what happens, well, first of all, a lot of Christians don't see it. Many begin to see it. This church preaches that so radically. So I believe that many of you begin to see it and step onto it and begin to experience that. But often, if those Christians are honest, they say, yes, this is real, Lord. This is real. As soon as I begin to understand how radical the gospel is, I begin to experience your spirit in me. And I begin to experience joy and peace and amazing closeness to you. And such a great peace, shalom, this like overwhelming peace that neglects uh, bad circumstances around you. It just comes from within. But sometimes you feel like there is a disconnect. This reality, this internal reality doesn't really translate to external world and to other people. Who, you know, if you're honest, many of you would agree with that. You would say, yeah, God is real to me. I experience Him. Yet I, I go my ways and I do my things in this world and it doesn't seem to really translate into what I'm doing and it doesn't seem to affect people around me. And I believe the, the reason for this disconnect is we neglect this part of going. This going is very important. Ah, yeah. yeah. Somebody got it at least. <laughs> uh, it, if, if, we ne if we don't grasp that, that creates what I call the virtual Christianity. You know the virtual reality, they sell those uh, devices that look like a goggles and you put on your eyes and people look weird in them. They put them on and all of a sudden they got excited and active and they do a lot of activities, but it doesn't translate into anything in the physical world, I, except when they break TV sometimes. So, we don't want to be Christians with a virtual Christianity. We want to be Christians that we read about in the book of Acts. You see? We go and things change and things shift around us. Hey, Dave, you're, you're here again. You keep coming, dude. We can't get rid of you. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but you changed your location this time. Good. Some changes are good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm like, he came. I said, what's your name? And he introduced himself. I just, just once. Just wanted to <clears throat> visit once. And now third time he's here. Uh, don't get me distracted, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so let me get to my notes. Yeah. So I want us to understand this deliberate going thing. What is this going? I actually checked Greek. Get ready to be profound and philosophical. <laughs> that verb in Hebrew, in Greek, means to leave the place where you are and to bring yourself to where you're not. That's deep. 
<laughs> so the problem with us, we, we're so settled in our ways, so we kind of, we kind of, kind of stay where we are all the time. We, we, we probe some ways in life, we settle in them, and we go about our business, and we know what we're doing, and it becomes routines. And basically what happens, you stop going. The mystery of the kingdom is that God is transforming this world into a beautiful garden slash the city. is a dwelling place of God himself with his chosen people. And this garden has a central plant in the middle of that. That is called the tree of life. Adam lost access to that tree. Last Adam, Jesus reestablished access to that tree. And in fact, he is that tree of life. The fruit of that tree satisfies God and man. And the leaves of that tree restore and heal nations, individual people and nations. And that tree is Jesus himself. And it's not only something that is ahead of us in the new Jerusalem. That is our reality today. Jesus is the tree of life. And when he describes that tree, this tree is not a cedar of Lebanon that grows tall and high above everyone else. It's a vine. And it grows not high and tall, but wide. It spreads. And that's our destiny, to be branches in the tree of life. The only condition is for us to truly abide in Him so that the sap of life would flow through us and bear fruit. And we spread the branch. The bra How does a vine grow? It grows through branches. It grows through you. This world is being transformed into the garden of God's presence when you abide and when you go. If you don't abide, nothing's going to happen. No fruit, some fruit, or much fruit depends on your learning to abide in Him. But it also depends on you going. So going, I believe, is a pasture of your heart, as an inclination. You say, Lord, I want to be part of that process. There are designated targets of God's love that God wants to shoot with His arrow Arrows of his fiery love wound them so that they cannot recover. I hope you understand my metaphorical language. God captivates people when he touches them with their love. And he does it through people. God's method is no how. God's method is always who. And the answer is just you. Please respond. Please respond. I just, I, I kind of scrambled my message by now, but it's okay. It's the main thing is that our destiny is to learn to abide in Him and then to learn to go to people. Abide in Him, being filled and saturated with Him, experience His reality, and then carrying this present, carrying this reality and bringing it into other people's life. And let this reality transform these people. I'll read a couple of passages for you to remind you how it's done. Romans 
10, 11, 15. You know, how do we receive the love of God and the goodness of God? By faith. How do we receive faith? By hearing. How do we hear that someone comes to us and tells us, Rob, who preached the gospel to you? Grandpa. Grandpa. Well, who preached the gospel to you? Don't remember now? When you were little? But it doesn't really matter. I know somebody did. Diane. Diane. There's a name. There's a name. There's a name. There's a face. Diane was a branch in the tree of life that reached. Who preached the gospel to you? Specific person. Specific name. Jim, who preached the gospel to you? Man on the street. Lyndon, who preached the gospel to you? Awesome. John, who preached the gospel to you? See how it happens? So if you sit on your blessed assurance, that doesn't happen. You need to dare. There's boldness in God. To approach people. There is boldness in God to step out of your comfort zone. There is boldness in God to come to people. Yes, there is fear, fear to be rejected. And Jesus actually speaks about it in chapter 15. He, he speaks about abiding. He speaks about bearing fruit. He speaks about going. And then he speaks about opposition and being rejected. But that's the only way to bear fruit. To, to step out of your comfort zone. To approach someone. And to by faith believe that God gives you words or an action or something or maybe give money or something. God wants to do something, influence these people by the grace of God through you. If you don't get that, you will remain in this virtual Christianity. That will be awesome to experience but ultimately it will become stagnant. You will worship on Sunday and it will be amazing. But it wouldn't translate into your daily walk. You know, I heard of people going to heavenly places and experiencing these raptures and they, they've been to those chambers when they see tons of scrolls with a destiny for every person and they're unsealed. So those people live a mediocre life on the earth. Meanwhile, they have a script, they have a scroll that has an amazing things written by God that God would like to accomplish through them. And there are a bunch of angels unemployed and bored to death because you're not stepping into that. And they're not, they can't get active. If you read the book of Acts, you see angelic activity all the time. You know why? People are focused on Jesus. They're excited about Jesus. And they go with this message of Jesus to others. And angels come. They love it. Angels love when Jesus is lifted up. And angels love when Jesus is preached to others. That's you. You activate angels in this world. When you respond, when you go. Yeah, I was going to read you a scripture. Romans 10, 11, 15. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's the gospel for you. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. Jesus! Anybody calls Jesus! 
Riches of God begin to come into this person's life. I'm sorry. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you. <laughs> For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen to that. Then he answers, asks this question. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? The answer is no, they can't. How are they to believe in him of who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone, we just mentioned those someones, preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And let me tell you, you are sent. You are sent by the mercy and the love of God, you are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's you. That's me. That's Derek. That's Neil. That's MJ. That's my wife. That's you guys. Oh, angels are so happy I'm preaching this message because they're getting ready. Even this week, you'll have opportunities. Even this week, I declare you'll have opportunities arranged by God to speak the word of goodness, to speak the word of truth, to speak the word of grace, to speak about the Lord's love for those people. Even, to, even if it's a small thing. Some of you will be prompted to text message someone or Facebook message, whatever. Do that. Do that, all right? Uh, I want to bring an important digression. It's a digression, but it's important. This whole going thing is spoken by Jesus in the context of friendship. Remember when I talked about intimacy, I told you that in this world, on this earth, we have three main analogs or I don't know how to put it, a pictures and images to understand what intimate relationship are. A loving parents and a little child, Abba, Father, Daddy, we talked about it a lot. Then a young man and a young woman crazy in love with each other that can't get off each other. That's a book, Song of Songs, Holy of Holies of the Scripture. There's a third one, friendship. When it's, it's, it's all reciprocity based. It's you got my back, I got your back. <laughs> all of mine is yours, all, is your, all of yours is mine. And Jesus speaks here, the verse that I read you about going and bearing fruit, it's a verse Chapter 15, verse 16, right before that, he says this in, in <clears throat> John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, have, I have made known to you. You know, in the very next verse, he says, I appointed you so that you would go and bear much fruit. So my exhortation and my encouragement to you today, make a decision and assume this posture of being ready. Well, the reason I was talking about friendship is when I was, when I was growing as a young Christian, they would tell me that whatever ideas I have are no good. The only idea that is good is God's idea. I need to get on my knees, pray, 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 fast, fast, fast. And get exact, specific instructions on how to do, what to do, what to say. And then I will be successful. And it sounds good. That's not what Jesus talks about. That's a benevolent dictatorship. That's not friendship. If I would have a friend who would tell me like, because I told you so. Do, 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 do. Oh, I don't care what you think. Do, 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 do. Go. 
Does it sound like a friendship? It sounds like a jail or army or Japanese corporation. It's not friendship. Friendship is real. Yes, your friend can be higher up. He can be like CEO of a big corporation. But if he's your friend, you can feel free to share ideas, to talk about, discuss things. He can actually go and say, you know what? I never thought about that. This is a good idea. I like it. I'm glad you told me that. Do you believe Jesus can tell you that when you share something with him? Some religious stuff in me doesn't want to accept that. Religious person can never be a friend with God. I use the word religious in a negative term. Okay, I get all over the place, man. I got to get going. We got to shorten this thing. But somebody told me I can go forever now, so. Okay, okay, I'm done. Almost. I'll be, I'll give you, I'm going to give you very practical points of application right now. So be ready to, to receive them. But I, I want to make sure you heard me. Your destiny is about bearing fruit you can only do it by recognizing you can't do it what you can do is to stay in God's goodness uninterrupted oneness of the father and the son and the love that they have between themselves and you've been invited into stay there fill with it get filled with this get saturated with that and that learn to be intentionally about stepping out and going to other people do you know what to say no don't worry he'll give you what to say he'll help you to understand what to do what not to do but start doing it resolve it in your heart so let's come to a practical application point how do you assume this attitude I'll give you two things one thing Romans 12 1 2 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your, listen, bodies. Your body is super important. That will save you from virtual Christianity. When it's all in your soul, it's about your body. You got to take your body and bring it to from point A to point B where people who are designated targets of His love. For you to start shooting at them <laughs> with the love of God. And they go, oh, 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 oh. And you go, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In the light of his mercy. Yeah, I, I haven't finished it. So he says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You, you present your body and that's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. So don't listen to much stuff that makes you, brings you down. Sever. Stop listening to guys that make you double-minded about God. Start doubting His. And there are so many preachers that are crappy preachers. I'm sorry. Just stop listening to them, please. If a preacher preaches at you and you're impressed, but at the same time you feel like, no, you got a problem with God, I would stay away from that. Even if you're like totally messed up, God wants you to run to Him, not to shrink back in fear, in condemnation. If somebody preaches to God that is schizophrenic, like, I love you, but I want to crush your teeth right now. 
I want to slap such preacher. But that would be a sin. <laughs> so I don't. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. To step into your destiny, you need to know the will of God, and you won't even begin to know it until you know the mercies of God. And in the light of these mercies, you say, yes, Lord, I want to respond. I want to give you my body. I want to give you my body. I'm a watchman. I like watches. It's the thing. You either get it or you don't get it. I get it. I love watches. I used to make watches when I was a teenager. So, and sometimes I have this childish dream, like, oh, Lord, I wish somebody would just give me, like, a fancy, cool watch that I cannot afford, like, amazing. It's not a hint. Please, don't take it as a hint. <laughs> but, and I was, like, thinking about it, and I was looking at some YouTube videos about, like, amazing, sophisticated mechanical watches that are produced in Switzerland. And I was like, Lord, what, what? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, look at your wrist and look at your hand. I said, so do you understand that it's like a million times more intricate than any Swiss watch? So you want somebody give you like a Swiss watch? Can you give me your body? So he's so excited about your body. Way more than I'm about Swiss watch. Seriously. I, I recently began to understand it. I, I, I used to be all spiritual and abstract, but now I love the creation. I can watch the grass grow and be filled with the Spirit. I can look at the little ant and be like wrecked. Seriously. Because I begin to see God. Do you remember when Job was so consumed with his problems and with his troubles, God showed up and said, Have you been there when I helped this goat in the mountains to give birth to the cubs? Have you been there when I, like, and he described the intricacy of the creation. Job goes like, what are you talking about? God is so proud of his creation. And the crown of his creation is you. And you is not just a spirit. You are your spirit, your soul, your body. Your body is super important. Look at your body right now. And say, Lord, thank you for my body. Just say it. Just say it right now. Lord, my body is my friend. My body is your temple. My body is a branch on the tree of life. So here's what I suggest to you. I'm, I'm finishing. Don't worry. In the light of this scripture that I read to you, he says, I implore you by the mercies of God. So if you haven't seen the mercies of God, the love of God, don't do anything. Don't, don't make any commitments. Don't do that. Please don't do that. A lot of preachers want you to commit to stuff that you don't understand. Don't do that. Commit yourself to, to understand the love of God. If you see that, then everything follows. And what follows, if you begin to see the love of God, you begin to learn to abide in it. Oh my goodness, I feel the Spirit of God right now. It's time to do something with your body. When I met my wife and I fell in love with my wife, and it happened in a weird way. We were friends. Everybody was dating her. Everybody was proposing her. She was declining everybody. He, she was just my buddy. I was dating someone else. 
And there was one day we were standing with a group of Christian friends and I had like something wrong with my button on my uh, raincoat and she just grabbed it and fixed it. And <gasps> Ta -ta! like everything faded away. Like, ah. Was she there all this time? Ah. And that's like, oh, that's a new feeling. Oh, that's so, and that feeling made me go and spend time with her and call her and travel and not be afraid to go back, you know, through, during late hours in a big city full of crime. And, but then I said, Lord, what do I do? Is this? And again, I had a religious like preaching at me that God has one for you and you need to discover this one and that's the one. So I went to pray to God and I said, Lord, is it the one or shall I look for another one? <laughs> And I, I went to Woods to pray, and I asked this question, and the Lord said, listen to that. The Lord spoke, and he said, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I'm not responsible in this situation. He said, no, I want you to be responsible. <laughs> but the problem was... I had all these feelings that drove me to do certain things and be at certain places and call certain number all the time. But now after this prayer, I knew I couldn't. I couldn't just let, I couldn't flow with, go with the flow anymore. I had to make a decision. And that decision was hard to make because I would have to assume full responsibility and say, no, God, that's not her. And that, I would have to sever all of that. Or I would have to say, Lord, that's her. And that means I would have to sever everything else. That's a tough call for a teenager. That's how God was teaching me responsibility. I said, okay, Lord, I've never done it before, but ooh, I'm afraid, but I'll say, yes, that's her. Okay, now go and propose. <laughs> that's another story maybe I'll tell you another time. But the same thing happens here. You begin to experience the goodness and the love of God. And you've been filled with those amazing senses and feelings. And you feel so, the time comes when you need to make your decision. What are you going to do about it? Is it the one? Or shall you look for something else? Let me tell you, he's the one. Get married for God's sake. Give your body to him. Give your body and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm giving my body to you. I will be, I'll be married to you forever. I'll be going to where you're telling me to go. I'll be saying things that you want me to say. We'll be happily ever married or whatever you say. Yeah, that's that's very practical point. It sounds a little bit abstract, but it's super practical. Some of you have made it already. You made this decision. Some of you haven't. You need to make it. Some of you haven't really grasped the love of God yet, so don't go there yet. Just pray for you to begin to see the love of God and the gospel. Get rid of religion. And the second is a smaller practical point, smaller application point, but very practical. How did I put it in my own words? Let me see my notes. Learn to remove labels of others and of yourself. Listen carefully how you think about yourself and what you say about yourself. Listen carefully what you say about other people. 
you're subconsciously doing that. You call yourself idiot sometimes or stupid or dumb. Don't do that. Every time you say that, you brand yourself and you're actually helping the enemy to seal that scroll even tighter. The scroll of God's destiny for you. To unseal it, you need to say God's things about yourself. And you need to say God's things about other people. The blood of Christ makes you colorblind so you don't see African-American, Hispanics, Russians, Americans. You see soul precious in God's eyes. You don't see their status. You don't see their education. You see precious, 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 precious thing that is lost and God wants to find it and regain it. <clears throat> so just unlearn to brand yourself. Don't call yourself an introvert and use it as an excuse not to go. You take so much crappy teachings of the popular psychology as a dogma. Oh, this guy has a father's issue, so he cannot understand spiritual realms. Shut up! This guy is a precious son of God that has been redeemed by the blood of God, has been severed from all the bad stuff that has happened in his generational line. I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. No, shut up. You've been purchased with the blood of Christ, and you saw the mercy of God, and you said, Lord, I'm giving you my body. I'm ready to go. It's really hard for me because I'm settling my ways, and I'm... Every Christian, whether you consider yourself extrovert or introvert, is called to both. Being contemplative to, to experience God's dwelling in you and to register it and to nurture it and to grow in it. And also to be an outgoing person, to go out, to reach out, to reach others. That's how the tree of life grows in this. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.